Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing after-shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. The sound of that can only mean one thing. We're back in the village! (laughs) And we need information! (laughs) We have Steph Z. Hey guys, how's it going? We have Meredith Placco. Hey everyone, what's up? And of course, Phil Svitek. If you haven't already done so, do subscribe to our podcast. Um, you know, you want to. I know the village isn't always cool, but you know what? Join the village at least for the that's, next couple of weeks. That's what they want you to do. Because once <laughs> you join, you'll never leave. We should totally have that option. Like once people subscribe to this show, they can't like unsubscribe. <laughs> They're stuck. Well, they're, they're, we'll, we'll give them methods at the end of how to unsubscribe right, if they yeah. want. Um, by the way, a uh, huge reception for the first episode that we did. Um, this is our second one. We've got 15 more after this. So a lot to look forward to. And thank you, 6 of 1 Society, for uh, for supporting us. And there is that meetup on April 17th. Uh, 2015 with special guest Darren Nesbitt, who plays number two in It's Your Funeral, which obviously we'll talk about <laughs> when we get there. Um, we'll try to keep this as, as little spoiler-filled as we can. Uh, inevitably, there will be some spoilers. We apologize. This Go show's watch. like 50 years old. Come on, Almost, guys. Almost, yeah. Hey, I'm still watching. I know. That's why, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep I the know. spoilers relevant to each week's show. How about that? Oh, that's fair. Yeah. That's right. And so t- today, of course, we're talking about Chimes of Big Ben and, um, you know, learning from last time. I want to start with kind of the backstory, and I want, I'll want i do a quick roundabout <laughs> this time, and then we'll get into the story. Roundabout. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, there's a, there's a huge debate of what episode number this is because it was actually filmed as the fifth episode. There's no secret about that mm-hmm. right but i preferred as episode number two and in, in, in the airing episode it was episode number two ah. it didn't feel like a second episode like going into it i'm like i feel like i'm missing something feeling a little offbeat here but i think a lot of that could be uh given to the very disjointed production quality of this week's episode yes yeah, so speaking of that um it was primarily filmed in studio you know, back at MGM, rather than on location. So, you know, wh- whether it's the beach, whether it's um, them playing chess and all these different things, it's it's in the studio, so it doesn't quite feel as much. And th- they reused a lot of shots, so the helicopter shot was reused, um, was reused and, and everything else. So I have to say, as seeing this episode for the first time, and this is my first time watching as it being episode two, I kind of think, like, I kind of don't agree with you guys. Like, I kind of like that this was episode two, because the fact that it was like, you know he's going to try and escape. Mm-hmm. You know he's going to try and find someone he can trust. You know, like, you know it. So, like, instead of playing that out, it's like, okay, right away, he's trying to outsmart everybody and he's going to, like, get involved. You know what I mean? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like, yes, maybe if it was episode five, like, I don't know what the other ones are yet. So maybe it would make more sense as episode five. But I like that, 
like from the end of the first episode, like you know that he's going to try and do this. Mm-hmm. So yeah. having him try and do this and failing or thinking he succeeds and then failing, I think was kind of awesome to see right away than waiting. And honestly, I think too, like I am so one of those people when I watch TV, it's like, I'm like, wait a minute, that window wasn't open last, like what that continuity is off. I, it didn't, the disjointed didn't bother me so much because there was so many things happening that I was so focused on like what does this lead into this lead into this Mm -hmm. and the village just looks weird all together so I was just like okay like I wasn't so shocked that like you could tell don't get me wrong you could tell but it didn't for me following the story it didn't bug me as much as soon as the helicopter went can't seen that was like the big red flag I'm Mm -hmm. like I feel like we've seen this exact same thing before yeah but well I think you know one of the reasons why it's nice is that it it's one of the more straightforward plots mm-hmm. of the entire series, and right. it also, in many ways, parallels Arrival with number eight, who was originally supposed to be number seven, but they didn't want to use number seven because it was too close to number six, and it disproves <sighs> Steph Z's I know, theory. Yeah, throws my theory, but yeah. I have another theory, <laughs> because the only other woman that we see is number 38. So did the eights play? Well, Maybe. We'll, no. we'll continue. The other, the older woman that we see in this in this episode. Yeah, you know but but then last week's woman was number nine. Was she? Wasn't she? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Remember, we, we had a whole discussion there. six, mm-hmm. which is to Into be nine. number nine. Yeah, yeah. If she would, oh yeah, that's right. The odd even. If and, she would have been six. number seven, mm-hmm. I would have been convinced. It would have been odd and even. Yeah. Well, I want to say one thing though about the the disjointed um, filming and editing was you know. It, it really actually helped bring me in to a very Orwellian mm-hmm. uh, situation where I didn't know what was going on at times. Like like you said, it is one of the more straightforward episodes, but because of how it's cut, you feel very put out mm-hmm. uh, and uncomfortable throughout everything, and especially with uh, the opening sequence in it. Um, I know we will probably talk like that later, and I'll, I'll drop into that later, but it's just the whole episode really just made me feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of uh, uncomfortability, um, Leo McKern, he's one of the only number twos to actually play in multiple episodes, right? He mm-hmm. plays in uh, Once Upon a Time and also uh, Fallout. But Patrick McGowan didn't quite like him. He liked his acting, which is why he <laughs> kept him, but he, personally, they didn't quite get along. That's amazing because it shows that, like... That makes me wonder how much of that animosity, that back and forth, was actually between them not really caring for each other. Right. I think, though, a lot of times that you have that factor, people that can work together. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the greatest bands, like the Beatles, oh, yeah. like, they didn't get along. You know what I mean? Like, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Like, they didn't get along, but together as a band, they were awesome. Pink Floyd. Like, a lot of... Maybe it's just a British thing. But, like, a lot of people... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like some people... And I, I actually give them a lot of credit that mm-hmm. they can speak to that and they can see, like, okay, our working relationship is really good, but as soon as the cameras are down, get away from me. But you have to, but like, that's got to at least be some good motivation for the actors to right. be like, you know what, I can be a little smarmy and I can be a little smug when I'm, I'm shutting you down. And there's, there's some satisfaction to that as a viewer, kind of like knowing that. But no, I agree. It's like, I, I feel like I, I'm on this whole kick right now, especially. I'm like, I, I could not like you as a person, but I can work with you professionally. And that's how adults work. And that's, Good to see that even uh, our silly 
guys from 40 years ago can can manage that. But I don't know. I felt some tension there. I felt some tension between them, and I loved it, though. And yeah. once upon a time, I won't give anything mm-hmm. away, but you really see it because it, it almost, um, they become childish both together. And it's going to be, it's, you, that's something to look forward oh, to. Yes. When do we get to watch that one? Uh, it's the penultimate episode. So not for a while. <laughs> not for a while. Not a hot second. Um, and, of course, the episode was directed by Don Chafee, who we spoke of at length last time. And he, uh, you know, he's back in alliance with Nadia Gray, who ironically plays Nadia <laughs> in the episode. Yeah. Which is uh, which is great to see. Um, I bet she, and, you know, she did a wonderful job. There's obviously tie-ins to Danger Man. And things like that. Um, speaking of Danger Man, Richard Wattis, uh, you know, who, the, mm-hmm. the colonel, he was in Danger Man. So uh, that's why the, the parallel between Danger Man and Prisoner, it's just, you know, you can't help but make it because they're reusing so many different things. Yeah, it's not just actors. They're reusing the same characters. I mean, the, the, this this is the, the extension. This is the extension of Danger Man. This is what happens next. Yeah. Um, and one of the so number two had an assistant that was kind of in the script played by Chris Benjamin. He was also in Arrival, but because they moved uh, this episode to be number two, they cut him out a lot mm-hmm. because of that fact. They didn't, you know, he plays somebody different in the original episode, and so you know they didn't want him to be kind of seen. And interestingly enough, he was revoiced by Robert Riley, who's a dialect coach, and he provided voice work for episode five, seven, ten, eleven, twelve, and fifteen. I want to know why. Yeah, I know. Like, was his was his voice or his accent too strong, and was would that let us know where the village is? Like, is that what they were worried about? No, it's just um, you know, I I, I, I Robert Riley is um, known to be an amazing dialect coach, and he can do all these various things. And so I, I feel like he was just kind of you know, when you need post production work, and you're there, especially mm-hmm. you know now ADR and stuff like that is so simple. Right. But um, then it must have been you know, fairly hard. And so you're like, okay, well, you know, can we get this guy, Chris Benjamin, to come in? Or we can just have this guy who can do any voice we really need him to, and he'll just redub it in five hmm. minutes for whoever we need. Right. So <coughs> that that's okay. what I, yeah. I feel ultimately it came so down So it had to. nothing really to do with his voice, just maybe it needed to be redone and this guy could do it all. Yeah. It had nothing to do with, like, his accent or anything I mean, like he that. redubbed uh, hmm. Once Upon a Time in America. Okay. You know, for okay. some of the people. Oh, fair enough. That's right. an iconic movie. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not a lot of talking in there, so that must have taken him five minutes, too. <laughs> um, and, uh, okay, so Vincent Tilsey uh, brought the imagination McGowan and Markstein wanted, so uh, he hadn't rich- written much for um, ITV before, but this is his episode. You know, this is the one that he wrote um, and whatever else. So, and, and there's a lot of... Uh, psychotherapy in this episode right it really is i mean like going back to even just from the the beginning opening sequence to you know we see nadia in the room and then later on we see kind of like a hallway of people sleeping there's just a lot a lot of references showing us that people you know they go to different lengths to get people indoctrinated into the village and and i really like a lot of the almost like clockwork orange elements that Mm. they had put into this it was definitely had the mark of a 1960s uh, show on it. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, uh, he went into psychotherapy eventually in, in 1973 after having written Life and Death of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> Correlation? Right. I don't know. Huh. I can't verify. I mean, that's a, that's a jump. Well, yeah, I mean, that actually, it could be a lot of different correlations. Mm-hmm. He could have, like, in investigating that 
to write that piece, Mm -hmm. it could have drove him crazy. Or people could have been like, maybe his book was so spot on, they have to make him feel crazy because they don't want that to be out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, it's very interesting. You know, it's so funny when I was reading this note earlier, I kind of missed this comma and I was like, oh, at 73, he became a psychotherapist. I'm like, that's an age to change your career. Very interesting. <laughs> I don't quite know that yeah, the age he like, actually changed. No. Um, so there you go. And, and you know, uh, he was the one who had, you know, wanted to put the alcohol as a punishment, you know, not having alcohol in the village as a, as a type of punishment, because obviously there's so many other drugs that, that get used um, in trying to figure this out. And there you have it. The backstory of this episode. So without further ado, see much quicker. Wait, so time out, though. Yeah. About this alcohol thing. See, I read something different into the alcohol thing. I read that because this is more like a religion or a cult or something like that, and a lot of that belief, like, you're not supposed to drink. So I totally read that as, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, they well, can't I, have the alcohol, and that, which was crazy mm-hmm. because I would think that they would want people to have alcohol because if they have alcohol, it's more conducive maybe to having a good time so they wouldn't try and escape. They wouldn't try to go against the system. But that's you're only like, if no. you're a happy drunk. Uh, I think that's I think true. not having alcohol keeps you from being belligerent and going out of control. Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. since I'm the person that is like, oh, let me yeah. have a drink See, and let's have a good time. Drunk, sad drunk. Wow, we're never. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm, I'm so sad. I'm stuck in the village forever. I'm just going to break this bottle and break this window and destroy that everything. That's so funny how, like, two people can take that. Yeah. Like that. Well, that's the entire series. Well, yeah, <laughs> totally. But, yeah, that's how I kind of. No, read that's that a, as like a churchy kind of religious. I read it similar because of communism. I figured, yeah. you know, they probably like a lot of cult, cult or like really um, dictator esque level uh, like um, political groups are kind of right. like no alcohol, no like look at uh, look at North Korea, you know, right, right, right. No, no fun, no alcohol. That's kind of how I was looking at. That's a way to control people. Yeah, wow. And you would think that uh, I, I don't want to jump ahead on the uh, in the episode, but there's a scene later on where mm. there's alcohol being exchanged. I thought we'll you're just talking get, about with the colonel, right? With the colonel, mm-hmm. that you would think he would taste. There's no alcohol in here. That's how I thought he was going to figure out. He, God, yeah, yeah. Interesting point. Um, also, too, I want, and I don't know why this is happening for me, and I could be so off, and I don't know if it's just because last week that dress cape. Uh, for number nine, <laughs> seems Snow White. But again, when we first see Nadia, and like mm-hmm. again, I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, Sleeping Beauty." There's going to be something. <laughs> well, like, she was. Some, yeah, yeah she but there's was. something fishy, like like all the princess stories have like some sort of loophole. You know what, what I mean? What, like, if, what if they secretly were huge Disney fans? Maybe. Like they could it, be. It could be possible. Yeah. D- D- Disney owns everything. Disney didn't own this show. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they could have. Who knows? Yeah. One day. Yeah. So, so let's uh, let's go back to um, you. Obviously, made mm-hmm. the point, Meredith, of, about the opening, and right. So we've condensed the uh, what we saw last time mm-hmm. and added on to it, and it's so disjointed. And yet, so, but uh, let's start with you, and then we'll. Go, I really want to hear Steph Z's interpretation of this because first time I ever saw an opening, I was like, huh? Yeah. Like I it it we we re- see how number six goes through his re- resignation process. But we're also given this very strange psychosomatic, psychotropic drug sequence that made me st- sit back and like, am, are my eyes okay? Like, did, did I, what, what's going on? Like, they just kept throwing images and beats and other 
imagery within it that just kind of made me question, like, did I miss an episode? Am I watching the right one? Did, yeah, because you're like, is, it, is because you're very confused. Is this part of the episode? Yeah, or, or is, is this, this the end- a still an opening? Yes. That's kind of how I felt. I was a little bit like, Phil told me to watch these in this order, but like, does he know that I haven't seen everything? And did I miss something going on here? But I also, I mean, like, I do like that, you know, it makes it clear. Cause I feel like some episodes with the pilot episode, like the intro definitely changes like how this mm-hmm. one does, but it makes it clear that this resignation is like what we're getting at here. The information of the resignation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and it, it just drills that in again. But yeah, I did. I felt a little bit... Um, I, I enjoyed it, though. It made me, like, right away be like, okay, what's going on? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I like that. They kind of, like, dangle the carrot, and you're just like, what what's happening here? So I liked it. It also set up a, a good... Um, I, for me, it, it made me understand that there had been some time had passed mm-hmm. from when he was at the village to this episode, that it's obviously not just waking up the next day, that, you know, mm-hmm. made me feel like there was... Um, a little bit of a time shift, you know, a couple weeks or so. Absolutely. And, you know, when he does wake up, we see him totally different. You know, mm-hmm. he's still he's still trying to be an individual and all these different things. But now he's finally got, like, kind of an out nightgown. Yeah. His mm-hmm. uh, rebellion, he puts the radio in the fridge as a form of nonviolent uh, mm-hmm. protest rather than breaking it like last time. And he does a, he, uh, he does a really interesting way of seeming like he's slowly... Becoming one with the village, but then he'll, like you said, he'll do minor rebellions and just the way, like, how he'll sit at the edge of the desk versus taking a seat or, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. putting the, the uh, radio, you know, turning it out um, in other scenes as well. But there are a lot of times that I'm like, you know, he, he does the, be seeing you just so seamlessly, like, oh, be seeing you. That's just, I'm um, slowly, slowly <laughs> becoming one with people. It's funny, too, because where I went with that, with the um, alarm clock in the fridge, was that... He was so shooken up last episode, like, why, like, where, why, you know, Mm -hmm. but I feel like he's settling down into his spy-like behavior and being like, I can't have this, because if I'm frazzled, I can't figure out how to go. So I feel like he was like, okay, like, I need to, like, get a grip, figure it out, like, this alarm clock is driving me crazy, I'm going to take care of that and I'm going to continue on. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he got to the point where he knew where freaking out and yelling and trying to run, whatever, it was not going to work. So he was, you know, taking a different approach. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. You know, you tried different strategies and all, you know, and that's one of the things I wrote down, new tact, you know, he's Mm -hmm. trying new tactics and which, by the way, so is the village, hence the new number two. Yeah. Uh, He doesn't want a broken man. He doesn't want a man in fragments. He wants him to give himself wholeheartedly and going back to the, the psychotherapy, you know, you will be cured. Yeah. Like as if he has a disease. Right. A disease of like, and, and what it, what it, this episode really hits home to me is, a very, it's almost very American in a lot of ways, and in the way that the communist witch hunts were. That you you have to be pure in your um, love for the country and your patriotism, and they they want to cure him of his unpa- what they feel are unpatriotic thoughts by wanting to resign. And yeah. and there's a lot of correlations in this episode specifically to a lot of the writings that came out of America in the 60s and 70s, and and you know pre Cold War and Iron Curtain. That it's a uh, I, it's it's weird, be, I guess, for me because while I was, I've read a lot of British literature, not a lot from that time. Mm-hmm. It never really dawned on me how much they thought like we did. Yeah. Or maybe this is even a commentary on America, for all we know. 
It could be, you know. Uh, that's certainly one of the possibilities. And, mm-hmm. and going, you know, we, you spoke at length about Big Brother last episode, and, and it couldn't be more evident, right? It's a very funny yeah. line of, like, even the way he dresses is is um, an act of defiance. Right. But think about that, like, that's pretty creepy. Yeah. yeah. Here's a man watching another man dress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I go to, to add to your point, like, I go still to... I mean, yes, America makes more sense, and clearly he's a spy for some agency, but I keep going to religion. It's like mm-hmm. somehow that, like, if the way that a lot of the more religious groups are, it's like if you don't believe what I believe, there's something wrong with you. And people try and push that on. And I, so I see a, a very strong correlation between that. Yeah. Well, I don't I don't think he's in America. I just think that the whole the work of the prisoner as a whole is a commentary of of what of, happens in of America. What's, well, and, and and by proxy right. probably Britain at the time just just yeah. this is just say um you know and and, and I, I I'm always wanting to jump ahead. I'm trying to stay on track here, but I really feel overall with with the I don't want him in fragments. I want him as a whole person, meaning I want to give I want him to give himself fully to me is is very much a Mm, it's just creepy. It's just such a creepy statement. You know, yeah. you you see serial killers say those things, and to think that the government in itself wants that—it's, it's a it's a very 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 harsh reality. Harsh reality, exactly. <laughs> where at the end of the day, like you have this one man fighting against this great big brother. Who's going to watch watch over him all the well, time? But, you know, but one of those things, um, you know, people always. It, it's so easy for people to define mm-hmm. good and evil for themselves because, mm-hmm. you know, in your eyes, there is a good and evil. But at the end of the day, right, you're talking about patriotism. Yeah. Patriotism isn't bad. No. But taking to an extreme, yes, it is. And, and, and for- that, that to me, that defines evil. It's just something – it's just the otherwise good human behavior mm-hmm. taken to such an extreme. History is always written by the victors. And that's, that's a quote as old as at least a – couple years ago when i read it it's, you know, it's way older than that but um that being said if you are looking at the government the village at the the operatives and upper standing they see no wrong they see we have secrets that we need to protect or if we're of the communist you know origin we have secrets that we need to get out of them to protect ourselves you know for them that's not a bad thing that that maybe some of their methods are are not good or evil, but for them, they're doing the right thing for themselves. For number six, he's doing the right thing for himself by protecting himself. Right. And ironically, you know, th- this number two, um, for me, was seemingly the least harmful, right? You know, he had a sense of humor. He was slightly clownish himself. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, they tend to they tend to leave out those things, but they were very important to him. So it's almost like he, he didn't mind the individuality of him as long as he was cooperative. Yeah. Right. I think he saw the value in in minor victories. Yeah. I think there was something to be said that if I can if I can give a little and get a little in return, eventually I'll get him to crack. Where yeah. other methods might want to be total um uh, aggressive. Yeah, total like annihilation. That. Yeah. Um absolutely. Um and speaking of, you know, moves and you know uh, how great was it the the chess scene Played on so many different levels. You know, you're you're a fool, number six. No point in uh, being uncooperative. Right. But then explaining the, the role of the bishop. Yeah. You know? And also, I heard in there that, you know, the whole regiment word, and I feel like that's what really 
triggered number six to know that like everyone there had some maybe important job outside and for some reason they were all taken that like i feel like he was like what army were you a part of like he was really again like thinking maybe he trusts this person that he can get some more information about Mm -hmm. his whereabouts but again he falls flat yeah yeah i also i love the one line do you know more moves than seven yeah, Re- referencing like, do you do you know? Because we don't, we don't, you know, um, we don't have a number seven, and so it, it to me it was kind of like, and again thinking of this in out of order, like, is there another character that has tried this before? Is our unknown seven that's never really because we never yeah. do get a number seven? Is maybe that was someone who escaped once before? It could have been, and um, you know, you don't always need a body, as, as yeah. they say. And to me, what was what was ironic about that was okay. He just beat a man in chess in seven moves. Quite mm-hmm. impressive, right? And yet, it, you know, the knowledge of no, of only having seven mm-hmm. moves in this case with number two is a detriment, right? Because he can't think further than yeah. that. So I found I found that really interesting. Um, we right. should have a chess board right I here. know, we should. We'll, we'll play sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Checkmate. Um Nadia's arrival. So I, I really liked your Steph, your uh, Sleeping Beauty perspective on this because it was very, you know, like if you just went and took somebody, it, it just looked too perfect. The scene mm-hmm. almost to me, and I mean maybe again that's because it's just jointed and how it was shot, whatever. But it seemed too perfect. And again, like I don't know why, like the Snow White thing from the last episode stuck out so much to me. So I guess maybe it just triggered something in there and i feel like with all these princesses there's like you need the specific thing to make it better there's some kind of poison or betrayal and i feel like that's somehow gonna come back around you guys laugh every <laughs> well, time keeps, I say no it. i just think it's such a fascinating i've never heard of this theory or thought yeah. of it and i'm laughing because it's like this is i just love it i just love the again i said this last week i love your perspective on this, because one, you're looking at this from a very modern day, you know, you've got 40 years of history on this show right. and, and, and the idea that we can just subvert our own conscious on this. But then there's, there is, there is some truth to what you're saying, you know? I right. mean, the, I, when she comes, she's laid out, she's all asleep and she has to be woken up and. And to the, you know, uh, the whole village, you know, mm-hmm. we've talked about it. Is it a resort? Yeah. Yes. But it's not a good resort. And so, uh, and you know, to that point, you know, here she's going to be in theory, right? If she is a prisoner, yeah. Here she is. She yes, even if she wakes, she's still not going to know the truth. But, but it's so crazy because if you think about it, when you go to is it a resort or is it a village? I bet you, maybe this is crazy, but if you asked like twenty people here, like sure, like they're not making them do yet crazy things at this village. Mm-hmm. So if someone was like, hey, you can go to the village and you have a free place to stay and you have a beach and you have someone to wake you up every day and you have someone to drive you around every day, some people would be like, sure, sign me up. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like a wrong place yet. Like, it does. There's so much wrong with but, it. You know, Don't but, get me wrong. But it doesn't seem like a horrible... So you're saying no use in being uncooperative. <laughs> no, Just, I get being uncooperative because you don't want to be there and you don't want to be a number. But, but or make the best of what you have. You know, I mean, it was it right. was it was breached in this episode where people do people choose to come here? Is this what they want? Or are they yeah. forced to be here? Are they all like number six? And then you know, the, ultimately, like if you're if you're a lifer, you know, you might as well just roll. I, with I mean, it like, are some people are some people like? 
the honorable discharge people get to yeah. go there too and then also the people that resign and don't tell us why that we need information from or is it like all people that are there against their will it's not clear or how many point. of them are are plants how right. many of them are are at, at what point i'm starting to question is everyone a player on the stage where number six is the only yeah is it, is it everyone versus number six because yeah. it is clear that nadia is you know mm-hmm. taking them for a ride it was it clear? Yes, she's too perfect. <laughs> she was too perfect, and then it was like the swimmer, yeah. and then she's I mean, I don't want to jump everywhere to the whole episode, but it was so like they set her up as what we we use the term Mary Sue, yeah. this almost perfect female character that is is written to be the idealized of everything right. to, to advance the story without really having to advance the plot. Well, for it, me, as soon as they, she said that she resigned to, mm-hmm. the way she delivered that for me was like, oh, they're just trying to get him to tell her, like, yeah. of course, let me introduce someone that's really similar to you so you guys can bond and share what your experience was and why did you resign and why did I resign? And then they get the information they want from her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, absolutely. They're, you know, there's so many similarities. I mean, just because he goes the other way, he classifies her as he, he, Russian. Yeah. No, Estonian. Estonian. So yeah. Russian. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that's an act. Uh, you know, I love the prisoner and things like that, and I never want to go against them. But that's an act of ignorance to me. Yeah. Because well, he, he's classifying her. Well, I also think that he was baiting her because at that time. Estonians would have been very angry at being called Russians, and she didn't really fall for it. And we also see her kind of slip up later with, like, oh, Big Bill. Like, oh, no, honey, no, it's it's Big Ben. It's okay, sweetheart. But, oh, okay, Big Ben. No, but I'm your Big Bill. Like, I kind of saw where he might have started fishing mm-hmm. for, yeah. like, I don't think, num- number six is not an idiot, you know? I don't think he was going to flat line fall for her antics, Um I think he was he was fishing, but I think he I think maybe maybe there is a semblance where his hope got a little too above his level headedness, and he thought for a second. And I get it, you know, regardless of um, Russian or Estonian, just the act mm-hmm. of because uh, he was very much when he first came to the village, right? He was much more defiant than her. Yeah, and so he'd been like, "No, you cannot just classify me." You know, mm-hmm. I am Nadia or whatever. You know, yeah, and he mm. he's just like. Okay. But also, the thing that stuck out for me was, uh, I mean, I know we're jumping around, but he kind of stuck up for her and wanted her to be safe, which led me to believe, did he resign? Like, is there a woman that led him to make a bad spy decision that got him in some sort of heat and that's why he resigned? Or oh, like, is it just is there... because it's the 60s and all all TV and media at that time, men had this weird, like, overtly protective. She really wasn't dead? Yeah, she really was not. Yeah, they just were, it was just a, a weird protectiveness. Yeah. But it was, it was very, you know, it was like he was trying to get information, he didn't 100% trust her, but yet he wanted to protect her. Well, he also needed information, right? Um, yeah. th- there's a scene that was cut out, and I think it was it was cut out for a number of reasons. He, You know, he was uh, doing astrology, and a lot of the shots they were using was from 2001 A Space Odyssey, and so, you know, that would have made it even more disjointed mm-hmm. and, and similar and weird, but... You know, it gave him too much power, the prisoner, because he was trying to figure out where he was in the world, where the village was. And so I like the idea that she needed to have that power, you know, mm-hmm. um, and he needs to kind of – he needs her help and he needs to bait her to, to be able to get off this village. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah. I really like that. Yeah, no, I think I think Nadia was a very – interesting character and she continues to be a very well played character throughout the rest of the episode 
Absolutely. And one, you know, again, speaking of scenes that work on so many different levels, mm-hmm. the, the, the beach scene, right? Yes. Because if you're thinking about it, you know, here's number two sitting and he has no, um, no regard for that she's about to just swim, you know? And obviously they have their own measures and, mm-hmm. and, and they, they stop her from doing so. But, you know, you would wonder why isn't he anticipating like, Hey, don't go swim too far. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's just there talking. He's not worried. Exactly. Which which made me also start to question her motivations or how assured the the village is of their safeguards. Like he's like, I'm I'm not. She's not going to get anywhere. That's fine. Well, we've got measures. Or I I took it as he knows. He knows exactly that she's not going to like. She's going to play her part out. You know. Yeah. Number two. Yeah, number two with with um. Oh, see, I took it as they were like in cahoots the whole time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was like, because he knew she it was like, yeah, mm-hmm. try and swim, get caught. Okay, yeah. now we know that you're a swimmer. Okay, how can we put our heads together? Blah blah. blah. <laughs> yeah, that's how I took it. There you go, and you know, but one of the more interesting parts of that scene, as we talked about, uh, you know, Magoon versus uh, McKern in that scene, talking about the global village and who the prisoners are. I mean, this. Uh, let's let's talk about the well, ideas of this. This is this is a really uh, fascinating concept to me. So in in 1962, Marshall McLuhan uh, coined the term the global village, and it was at this point we started to see the advent of the internet, not as we know it, but you know between electricity, uh, phone communication, and the very very first uh, inklings of the internet, we started to realize that the world was not a small. Uh, we weren't just small little individual pockets. The entire world now was one entire global village in which we had instant, almost instantaneous communication with one another. And, and the idea that there is no real escaping that, right. that we are all one entire person. And that, that thought of, that McLuhan has, has written extensively about plays so deeply into the concept of the village that it is just this, here we are where we're all everything we do and it's to me like then it goes back even more when they with the village well you know cars we're a little remember what you said last week about like we can walk if there's a problem we don't really trust cars and if you notice there's not a lot of uh technology in the village themselves the upper like number two and his people use technology but the citizens themselves are denied a lot of basic technology that's available at that time so i think it's a really fascinating concept that they're trying to juxtapose in the or in the prisoner uh to kind of push home this new notion of the world as a global village it's just again it's to me it's kind of like nuts in a way that they're almost foreshadowing how the world's going to be well, here's a, you know, so you know the what line I mean? is, it's like what, ha- what yeah. has been created an international community, a blue, a perfect blueprint for the world order. What, when the sides facing each other suddenly realize that they're looking into a mirror, they'll see that this is the pattern of the future. Uh, number six, yeah. the whole world as the village. Number two, that is my dream. What's yours? To be the first man on the moon. Mm-hmm. And that happens too. Not yeah, there's a, number six. There's but, a lot of insight. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't, you know, how much, how, how did, did McGowan have any like contact with McLuhan at this time? I love their no, names. No, he, he, yeah. he. I'm assuming he's read some. Mick he, and Mick. Yeah, he must he, have read some of of his his writings because McLuhan in in I I can consider him almost a Nostradamus esque figure. I was just gonna say that's so funny. <laughs> I was thinking of Nostradamus, <laughs> which that's is the, so the crazy. He wrote about were so much of what came to pass over the last forty years, and yeah, and it, it's. So evident in this series. Yeah, and it just it takes you out of it. It's like, I don't know, like, I'm so 
open, I guess. So like, mm-hmm. like if someone tells me a theory, I'm, I'm going to have a person that will try it on to see mm-hmm. if it works. And then if I'm like, mm, no, but it's like to think that like these people, you know, people that are writers and people that are artists, you know, are in tune with something to be able to be this creative, yeah. but to think that in that creative juice flowing situation, you think of something that you have no idea is actually going to be reality. Like it's so awesome. <laughs> Well, you predicted a lot of a lot of the, the various things, mm-hmm. um, you know. And, and McGowan jokes about it. He's like, "What came first, McGowan or McLuhan?" Yeah, you know. And one of the things, again, because McLuhan studied a lot of things, and one of the things that he studied, you know, he he eventually became known for the Global Village, but also the idea of uh, media and mm-hmm. how it affects people. But he started his argument started in very simplistic terms. The way so the the argument is the way you in which you watch media affects how you take in the media and how you react, right? Yeah, it's it's um it's basically uh reactive versus non reactive media. So you look at um television of the of the time frame was uh non reactive. Like you were you were being given a message. You had no choice in this message. You could you you were a receiver. Nowadays, in, in, in the last 20 years, 10 years more specifically, we as individuals get to choose our media. And, and if McLuhan could see this now, um, that, you know, it's, it's completely subverted what it was then, how we choose to take in what we want. So but it's, our behavior at the same time, the, uh, our behaviors change, right? So it's the yeah. simple ways. If I literally design a different doorknob for you guys, I can change. If every day you use that same doorknob, my doorknob, mm-hmm. I am forcing a different behavior pattern, right? And so we used to have phones and we did it in a certain way. Now, People think everything is touchscreen. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're conditioned by the medium of that thing, whatever it is, that, oh, of course it has to be touchscreen. Yeah. Not even with technology. I'm going to take it a, a place further in my little conspiracy theorist world that I live <laughs> in. But it's like you look at the news now, like, yes, we have the option to choose any news that we want to. But pretty much all the news does is instill fear. Like, when's the last time you turned on the news and there was some, like, happy thing that, you know, made you think out of the box? It's like they want, in a way, they want us all to be in this village of the United States so that, you know what I mean? There's a lot going on that's really terrible. But they want us to instill just a little bit of fear so that you don't think out of the box. And well, I think, I think Meredith, she was also saying yeah. it last time, you know, uh, even if you get to choose, now you're just going to choose. If I'm a right wing, yeah. then I'm all right. of the news that I'm going to choose. Exactly. Yeah. But in the same sense, I mean, within that choice, like they're making you think you have a choice. But all the news stations, I believe, are similar in the sense that they will report most of the negative stuff to instill fear. I wouldn't say that. So, so I'm, I'm just as I've worked in news for 15 years leading up to this. We never had. I'll just kind of throw it out here. We never had like a, a doctrine where we're like we got to be news. Like we have we have to push this message. We're not we're not North Korea. Um, the reason we do that is because that's what people want. It's very push and pull. It's like if people didn't want all the negative stuff, we wouldn't report on it. That's why we have the e block. That's usually like puppies and you know really nice happy stories. But the reality is, is people don't respond in in, in test groups. They don't want to hear happy good news. They want to hear all the horrible things like oh my god, I don't want to go to the corner store now because it got knocked over last week. Or you know people yeah. people as a whole, it's it feeds off each other in a very negative way. Well, that's what I'm and and I yeah. feel like the reason why people want to hear that, which makes the hamster the mm-hmm. hamster wheel spin, is because they 
want to hear that there's something worse than what's going on in their lives yeah. so that they feel okay with themselves. Yeah. And they feel content with just what they're doing. They don't want to be provoked mm-hmm. to do something more. They don't yeah. want to be, you Which know what I mean? Which is what I find uh, local news in LA being very weird for me. And sorry, this is a complete tr- tangent know, here. Uh, and I promise I'll bring this back to McLuhan. Uh, <laughs> it's all about celebrities and water main breaks and, I, uh, and, and things I, as a journalist, would never have reported on anywhere else in the country. And I find, you know, and, and going back to the whole, this whole idea of how we ingest media and how it affects us is that it really does play into where you live and what you, right. what you do and what part of the world you live in and, and having that, um, you know, but if, if the local news here started changing the, what they reported on, if it was less like Justin Bieber cited at this club and, and maybe more a little bit about the drought that's going on, the people in turn who watch that media would change their outlook on things. So there is a lot of media controlling, um, people like people's behaviors and that's something that we've seen throughout history in the last specifically 100 years as a as a not necessarily a torture tactic but a brainwashing tactic and i find it very interesting that here in the village they don't really use that they you don't really have televisions you have radio you have the music to calm people but they haven't they've still eschewed the concept of tv from these people yeah Absolutely interesting. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we also didn't speak about that um, somehow I think you know ties into this is the, the idea when him and number two are talking and he says, you know, um, what are you going to do? I'm going to escape and come back. I'm going to thumb my nose yeah. at you. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's a foreshadow yeah. of what <clears throat> perhaps happens. I mean, they, we'll right. talk about mm-hmm. the argument of where he actually went ultimately. Yeah. But, the, you know, he didn't set the place on fire just yet. But who knows what can, you know, he did certainly come back to the, he could have escaped in but, theory. But there is something to be said that, no, I'm not just going to escape. I'm going to come back and prove that I am better and bigger than you. Like, yeah. he, he is a very confrontational man who has a huge ego. Yeah. <laughs> Subsection eight. Um, and it's, it's amazing just to see how number six, uh, just wants to, like, you, it's, it's interesting because you just start to see him breaking down Maybe why he resigned, because he seems to have this uh, arrogance authority. See, I didn't read it as arrogance authority, but I, I see which, where you're going mm-hmm. with that. But I kind of read it as he's he wants to do right. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like, you guys, what you guys are doing here is so wrong on so many different levels. So not only am I going to get out, but then I'm going to come back and I'm going to handle you guys and make sure that this thing falls apart because this is not right. Hmm. That's what I thought he was trying to say. That's a good way of yeah. thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, so after she gets caught, I mean, just the interrogation of it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yes, number two says, you know, she ultimately is in, in uh, she has the power. But yes, okay, she has the power. But nonetheless, you, you're using electricity and you're using words like, what was in your mind? Were you attempting suicide? Tell us what was in your mind. Like, yeah. That, that, that I mean, he was basically nice. saying, commit suicide commit suicide that's how i took that scene was like we're just going to keep throwing the word suicide in there until you are driven mad enough that you choose to do this yourself yeah and the room yeah i'm not gonna lie i was kind of a little bit with that scene it was and i don't know i i felt from the beginning that she was there to set up number six Mm -hmm. so that scene for me was like of course she's not gonna die but then, like her doing that, I don't know if she could be acting that well and being cahoots with number two. Like I felt like that scene kind of threw me a little bit. Yeah. I was like, "What is really happening here?" Yeah. So, and it's one. But it's, it's one of those things. You're, you're giving a lot. You know, let's say 
because it doesn't matter mm-hmm. whether she's on the side or not. Um, that's a lot of uh, credit to give someone if they can make uh, something. You know, it only takes three seconds for, to get from here to there, mm-hmm. and your your uh, room of error is one second. Like that's not a lot. You know, had you said no, like to figure yeah. that out, and how do you that's... know the door's not locked? <laughs> yeah, that like too. to figure that out. It was like she kind of had mm-hmm. to know. Yeah. So yeah, ab- absolutely. And so uh, you know, I, I think, but it, I think it speaks more of the village like yes there is an out ultimately mm-hmm. but again your room of air is so small and you, to your point you don't know if the door is locked yeah. you don't there's a, there's a lot of variables <laughs> you have to figure out along the way to, right. to make that uh you know mm-hmm. split open yeah so. we kind of skipped over this i think go ahead what do we um got? it said did i hear this wrong it said that they only could surveillance for two miles out when she was swimming. Is that yeah. right? Or could they only send the ball out two miles? Um, they could only see, they could only yeah. see, but after that, the radar would pick them up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because so. yeah. what I heard, saw in that was that the, the ball... I'm Rover. Rover. I wanted to say Roger, and I knew that was <laughs> wrong. I'm like, wait a minute. It's not Roger. Um, I heard that it could only... Like, what I thought they said was mm-hmm. that it can only go two miles out. So when the scene, you know, later, when it goes clearly a lot further than that i'm like wait a minute how did, did i miss something so i guess it could go further they could only yeah know. and that they had outposts throughout the uh the right. waters so, so what could they only do for two miles if they could video, surveillance and send video, over visual out? visual surveillance yeah but they saw them they didn't, I, I how did they know. send rover okay well, because of radar, they yeah. Radar, because so they just saw the like bleep on the radar. I, I, but but were they really more than two miles out? Yeah, you don't know. And could she be? Well, wearing but they. A, oh, yeah. right, because they said thirty yeah. miles, but that could be a bunch of crap. Yeah, I mean his his watch was also. We'll get into that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm so bad about jumping ahead. I, I just know. want to tie it all well, together. Yeah, there is. I, I wanted to. You know, we we have a cooperation thing. Number two with number six mm-hmm. says, okay, I'll, I'll I'll take care of her, and uh, I'm. You know, it's all the the whole joke about woodworking and all that um, was funny to me. But here we are. I want to talk about. Did you guys find it hilarious about criticism of modern art? Yes. Yeah. Because I, I hate modern art so much that I'm like, oh my god, number two, I love you, thank you so much. Was, so that the whole piece he built was like, I just. I don't see where. Where's number two? I just don't see number and two. And even when like, they're building is? it, right? So yeah. st- uh, there's a picture uh, Stephen has up, or will bring up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's when they're building it. Like, what is it? Like, yeah. What? What are you see, thinking? I read boat yeah. right away. Yeah, I mean, I thought boat right away too because of the shape. But he's like, yeah. I mean, it's. I can see the shape. Is that does that represent uh, Jesus uh, being crucified on the cross? Does that maybe maybe a little bit of that? How about the word escape? It means what it is. Yeah. yeah. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. It means it means what you think it means. Yeah. That's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Oh, and and, and I, I love um, you know. There's been a lot of essays and things like that about the woman mm-hmm. who just agrees. Like, oh, I'm starting to yeah. see it. <laughs> like, was, no, you you're not. Mm-hmm. It's like when you yeah. It's it's like um, go on. I'm so sorry. No, go go. go no, go. I was. Go. When I first, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it totally makes sense. When I first moved here, I moved in with a friend of mine's sister, who, and we made an art gallery in her garage. So, like, literally every week, I was at art openings because they were there. And like, I can't tell you how much it's here, though. Art, art in LA 
it's it's very very different than I mean modern art too, mm-hmm. but it's like that whole thing of like what is art. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it all just art? comes back to what is art. But it's the same thing as everything else is. It's relationships, so you can get your stuff hung at the gallery, and if your stuff's hung at the gallery, then you have some sort of credibility, and you put a price tag on it, and then someone want to buy it. But in the same sense, it's like, whatever, like, why is this art? Like, I could spill my drink on this piece of paper and blow it up and, that's, right, and, that's, and, what Ma- and that's what McGowan was saying. Was I that, know. Was that, like, here you have all these literal interpretations of number two, which is a more classic style of art, and then you have his weird, like, structure his installation piece if you will and everyone's sitting here trying to interpret it or like why isn't it number two and this is this is i i took this as McEwen's own like big screw you to the art world of i'm just gonna like make a little point here and then like no really it is what it is what i say it is this is this is freedom this is escape because i'm going to escape in this boat when when you all aren't looking yeah yeah it was a little it was really funny i liked it that was that made me happy Absolutely, and you know, and the, you know, anything can be art, but not everything is art. Don't say that to uh, to an art teacher. Yeah, why? An art teacher taught me that. Wow, really? Wait, oh say God. it again. Any- anything can be art, art, right? To your your, yeah. your paper, you could spill it, but does that mean that it is automatically art? No, oh. it can be art, but it is not art right away. Unless you claim it. Well, that's so what this I'm is saying. my art. The, well, that's 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 the process. <laughs> right. I think Excuse now. Me. Guys, I have to build this this piece right now. This if you guys aren't right watching, twenty five thousand dollars. Okay, guys, this right. is uh, this is. Um, I'm gonna actually call this the Global Village. Uh, right here, I, what I have is some paper That's with awesome. a coffee mug and a notebook and my iPad on top, and the iPad symbolizes that we are all one with each other because we can talk to each other, and the coffee cup is our souls draining into it. And th- by the way, what I love to <laughs> sorry number two didn't pick this I'm a up. Jerk. No, you know, I love it. It's funny. <laughs> number two uh, picked it up, but here he didn't in this instant. But he had noted before. Number six has a sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that's you know one of the ways to survive is you mm-hmm. know if you can have a sense of humor, especially about yourself and, and whatever Your situation. It is. Then you can survive, mm-hmm. right. and there's no this. This was absolutely a phenomenal scene yeah. for that Which reason. Which is a super powerful statement. Like I feel like there's a lot of super powerful. I mean, like sense of humor. I mean, for me at least in my world, like having a sense of humor and being able to like be light about mm-hmm. life in general is such a huge like tool to put in your tool belt of life. You yeah. know what I mean? So I like how they're driving that home. Absolutely, um, and then. I, you know, I didn't see this first time when I, because he buys the mm-hmm. quilt, you know, and he mm-hmm. says, you know, my, yeah. my life's work is my own uh, reward. <laughs> uh, but obviously, I can't, re- I can't reject the mm-hmm. uh, what, what, what the committee has done here. But let me give the lady, and so it's so symbolic that here he is sailing away, and the sail is number two's face. Face. Um, I absolutely love that. Um, phenomenal. It's just. That- that's just and it's like I I guess he had to know someone was gonna make a quilt or a rug or something, uh, which really honestly practically I thought was probably way too heavy or porous to actually catch wind. But we're gonna ignore that right now. I but, know. Um, <laughs> I was just like, what is that? I, I guess I of? just want to myth bust some of these episodes. <laughs> I know. Uh, but the fact that I I just. This this is why I love this show so much because it's steeped with symbolism yeah. and amazing yeah. quotes. And for me, it was mm-hmm. like he's right there with him. Yeah, like yeah. even though he yeah, thinks he's, he's getting away, he's, he's right there in the boat. Yeah, absolutely. Ah oh, man. And then and so now they are they're on this boat 
escaping, going yeah, places. And this, uh, but by the way, the, the the front of the episode was kind of slower. And mm-hmm. then, you know, if you really think about all of this stuff that we're going to talk about happens in 10 minutes or less. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This whole escape. This montage, if you will. Yeah. You know, Rover comes at mm-hmm. them. Uh, Rover gets shot, which originally. Not was, Roger. Not Roger. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Rover was supposed to make it all the way to the beach, but he didn't, you know, he got shot along Rover the way. Rover has yeah, a hard time getting out of the water, it seems like. I'm sorry, who, like, how did this dude know when they were gonna, the time they were gonna arrive to sail over 30 miles with a quilt sail to be there with his gun out ready to shoot he Rover. He was just waiting for that whole entire time. He's like, I'm just gonna, in case something happens, I'm He's gonna just shoot. sleeping there with his yeah. gun. How, I want to know, you would think that they would have made Rover a little bit more, like, weapon defensible like some that's just some buckshot he was shooting at him yeah I mean, for, first off it's a weather balloon <laughs> right it's an, like i it, it's an electrocuting man-eating weather balloon. balloon i thought it would have been more interesting that they just kind of outran rover yeah the whole shooting rover thing for me was kind of like really also one shot man should have gone in one shot yeah there was in these like little like bullet yeah. marks <laughs> come on what, is he shooting with a bb gun God, Ro- Rover's just keeps you know. on trucking. Yeah, can't put Rover down. And then Rover, wait, but time out. We, we forgot to talk about Rover's babies. <laughs> oh my God, I <laughs> we didn't talk about Rover's babies from earlier. Rover's That's asexual and splits off. <laughs> okay, talk about Rover's babies. When when she was swimming away, they no, needed, I, I, I know. Oh, they needed Rover and two Rover babies to bring back one woman. Yeah, Rover has suffocated two also, men, but just one just woman. They the, need Rover babies. Let the Freudy, Freudian symbolism of that scene sink into you, and I won't say anything more on that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Too. I just you know wanted to make sure that the viewers the Rover babies. The Rover babies, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I didn't need the drawing, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I think you should show the viewers. No, nope, I'm not going to. Uh, but yeah, so Rover. So now I'm, I like I like the etymology of Rover. Rover can. Uh, what's oh man, I'm blank, blanking on my biology term. You know when you have an organism that can split in half. Synthesis. No, no, no. Uh, no. You, uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? I do. Mitosis. 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 So so Rover. Uh, uh, reproduces through mitosis, and Rover, despite being a latex-based weather balloon, uh, can take <laughs> okay, a couple shots. the latex in there. I'm just <laughs> assuming. I don't know. I mean, what else would have been made out of the time? Just, Polycarbonite? I, no, I, I believe latex. With yeah. The baby, baby latex balls. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> anyway, right. sorry. Well, Rover aside, we got one of the most significant. Mm-hmm. We got we get okay, the watch, yeah. right? Yeah. So we get a decrypted message, and and the watch to make sure because his was broken. Yeah. And then we're off on this montage of do do do. Now, is it a wait, dream? Wait, but time do, out. Do, do, but time do, do, out. Do, do, do. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I I just need to understand, and maybe maybe it's clear, and mm-hmm. I missed it. But I need to understand why this guy's there. Waiting with a crate that they'll both fit into. Because this was planned. He had. Yeah. He had. Who did? Wait, how did Nadia. they get to talk how to him? How did anyone? Nadia talk to him? How did she talk to him? There was no communication unless I missed it. No, through <laughs> stars and patterns. Oh, through the stars. Oh. Got it. Freaking stars. How did I miss Paper that? airplane. <laughs> No, really? Like, did yeah. I miss something? No, it was like just supposed to be that she was. Well, mm, 
you know, you could, you, uh, oh. rem- remember, uh, number six says, you can be seen, but you can't be heard. I know why. Go because ahead. she had been tracking. Remember, she had mentioned how she's like, I knew about the village, and that was kind of her, like, that had become her secret special mission. So maybe she had been planning to infiltrate the village all yeah. along, and that dialogue was cut. And so maybe this was her backup plan. I'm going to uh, go with that. It just seemed a little bit unbelievable it to me. It was because of the, uh, no, it, all the cuts. Here's the thing. It, there's no mention of... It, there's very few scenes that got cut from script to what ended up being happening. Right. But I don't think it negates yeah. your, your argument um, at all. Yeah. Because she did make mention of that. That's, mm-hmm. you know, she got too close to this. Yeah, and that's, then, that's how I read it. And then I read it as, as soon as they were put in the box, I was like, they're being put in coffins. <gasps> It was very coffin-like. Oh, in there. no, I didn't even think about that. It was, if you saw it, it was very yeah. coffin-like. I just yeah. really appreciated the, the two-shot of them in the wooden box with the yeah, line down the middle. Yeah, they Yeah. Well, and I then just she was getting that- sick and... I know. Because he might have a wife waiting. I mean, what? She was way too concerned about his personal... Well, maybe maybe that was her digging for information was that, well, maybe he left because of a woman, and and he's like, no. Yeah. There's no one. There's no one. It was I'm a alone. little bit far-fetched for me. I'm alone forever. I mean, here's the thing. Honestly, like, if you... You guys have traveled. You have 12 hours to kill, just like clockwork, and we'll talk about that because, you know, that 12 hours, just like clockwork, yeah. it just happened... You know, everything was perfectly on time. Absolutely, but you know, you just forget that fact for a moment, and you got to talk about something. No, you sleep the entire time. I'd sleep. I mean, that's no, what I you would talk, but I wouldn't yeah. be like, "Do you have a wife or at home?" What else? Do- I would be like, "So, what's the plan, man? When we get there, how do we get out of the box?" <laughs> <laughs> she was just like, "I just want to talk about things," and he's like, "No, just oh my god, I have a headache. Oh my god, can I just can I just sleep? Yeah. This is why I'm single." This is why I'm not dating. Like, that was the impression I got. Like, yeah. I felt like McGowan was kind of like, oh, my God, this is unnecessary dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. You know, um, I, I I did enjoy I, that. I just like just the fact that they were separated. Yeah. Too. Like, instead of just being in the crate. I know. Yeah. Well, no, he didn't want that. Like, McGowan, like, we, we knew this. McGowan was so adamant that number six couldn't have a love interest. They had to have a physical board between the two of them to make sure that nothing, no funny yeah, It wasn't, happen. though. You'd be all, like, hitting into each other when they toss you around. Also, what about the bathroom? 12 hours. 12 hours. I thought, as soon as they landed, I thought about that. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, uh, we don't know if he needs to use the bathroom, but he's ready for a drink. Yeah, he is. <laughs> the prodigal son returns, yep. and we see Colonel J. Yep. Colonel J. Yeah, and and he, we, we okay. So this is where it threw me. This is where I was like, okay, no, how they couldn't like this isn't the village. He got out because um, he is going to. These are people he knows. He recognized two two of the members, yeah. um, and they go into this office, and he's having a dialogue with someone he obviously is established. And if you, again, if you've watched um, Danger Man, you you know Colonel J. And but this is where it got me. This is where I'm like, no, this is where we're going to find out that he's still in the village. Because they pull out the whiskey. And he takes a drink. And he doesn't react to it. And I'm like, oh, well, then that must be alcohol. Yeah. See, for me, it was so, as soon as they got out and 
all the blinds were closed. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been yeah. saying Big Ben, Big Ben, I want to see Big Ben. They're close enough to hear the chimes of Big Ben, and the windows are going to be closed, so you can't see Big Ben. Yeah. yeah. And I was the, like, the earlier no way. foreshadow, remember, you know, we an exact replica of her room. They yeah. made an exact replica of his room. Yeah. Um, and if you really kind of dissect it, um, obviously, it's an exact replica of what is over, um, you know, what the the office that he's used to. Mm-hmm. But the maps and the lamps and things like that, exactly the same as in the village. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because it just goes to that point of like it's a mirror image of itself. So what the hell did they do with him for twelve hours? Was it a dream or did they just take him on a joyride? I mean, because we saw externals. I feel they actually did go through the process of taking him through all these places because why would they give the viewer that perspective? Yeah, I feel like they would have let uh, would have been more clear that it was a dream. Yeah, that's they what it probably would have done some more of that the weird uh, like imaging video stuff from the opening sequence mm-hmm. if yeah. it was supposed to be a more disjointed fever dream. And it's more powerful to let mm-hmm. him think that he completely got away with it and then be like, mm, so sorry. Yeah, and then to find out that the people that you thought you could trust yeah. are the very ones keeping you. Well, that that was, you know, I I really like how they played it off because rather than Mm -hmm. him be, hey, welcome back, you know, we've missed you, it's it's very aggressive, Mm -hmm. which is the opposite of what this number two has been doing with him. And it's like, you resign. Why are you here? You come back with her. Who is she? So I need answers. Yeah. You know, I can't let you, you enter into my life. I need answers. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he was expecting that. Like, I think he was expecting a, a, a you know, because it was, it was very, like, it was all too, they were all too prepared. They were all too ready for him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, all down to the last thing, except for what, because the watch, mm-hmm. you know, in theory, they wouldn't, and yes, that, yeah, they could known And that's about. what gets him. Yeah. And that's what sets him off to realize, you know, in the end. Because he was going to, he was going to say it, and yeah. he, you know, he was, a long time ago, it was a matter mm-hmm. of conscience, but, you know, he was, he was ready to spill his soul. Yeah. Yeah, and, but it's because is, they screwed up. Yeah, which is a nice little tease because clearly mm-hmm. there's a distinct a reason. Yeah, that you guys probably know and I don't. But I mean, just the fact of. But th- does a matter of conscious tell you enough? All that you need to know. No, no? I mean, I mean, yes no. and no because well, when you think about the conscientious, conscientious objectors of World War One and Two and and further conflicts, you know, I mean, it. it Sometimes it could just be as simple of I don't agree with this and I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I mean, well, that's, that's the point. If if, yeah. the, if if their side is exactly as the communist side, you know, mm-hmm. good and evil are mirrored, so there is no good, there is no bad. Then it's it's a matter of conscience to say, hey, I well, the same exact methods that the village is using, he could have been a part of for a long time, yeah. and he's he's resigned of that. So I, I, to that me, it tells it, me enough. Well, no, that it makes it more interesting for me because it's like. In in all of that, in all the mirrors of back and forth of what people do, it's like, so what's that thing that, like, what's the straw that broke the camel's back that made him leave? Because clearly he's been a part of all that back and forth for a time before that. Yeah, I think you have to define that for yourself. Yeah, what did he see? What did he know? What did he even possibly suggest to make him so upset about this? Right. It was so meta, he saw a TV show about himself. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go and tell somebody I love. <laughs> um, oh yeah, and then and then he he pulls back. the plug. And you know, I I like that uh, Nadia at the end of it kind mm-hmm. of gets um, 
the power shifts to her because she yeah. says, you know, it was a good effort, and I'll, I'll write I'll, that in my yeah. report. I'll so make sure like, they know. It's like, even though number two was the one behind this, mm-hmm. he's expendable just the same as much. And we right. know yeah. he always would be. So, it's, You know what else um, stood, stood out to me? Was when sorry, this is we we jumped over this, but I just remembered it. When they were saying when we saw them in the boat mm-hmm. and number two said, get one through five or something like that. So it referenced to to me I heard that is like one through five part of the like staff, so to speak. Is that having we any? don't know. Yeah. You guys don't know either. Well we don't know yet in this. Well episode. I won't well, I, if I'm I do, gonna, I won't tell you. Yeah. Okay. So. That's a spoiler. Okay. We won't go there. Just kidding. We won't go there. But let's talk about some of these um, yeah. bigger ideas, right? Um, okay. I, I thought right off the bat when we open up after the, the pseudo-Orwellian mm-hmm. postmodern sequence, we get Democri- democratically elected by you, the, the people, people, of course. And so we're talking, you know, we were talking about you know how we choose our own newspapers and things like that. So I found that. Well, I, especially given the fact that, I mean, in, in even though Parliament's elected, um, Britain's still a... Monarchy. Yeah. So it's it's interesting they're they're pushing the democratic ideas. Yeah. I, I found that really I found that just interesting. I could go off on a whole tangent, but I'm gonna not. And but it's a, <laughs> but, but I like it's, your it's the same way. It's con- just like even democratic. It's like I don't know. Like I know yeah. people should vote. Like when you think about democracy in here mm-hmm. in the U.S., like I know people should vote. I understand all that. But it's like there's the electoral college. There's all kinds of other stuff that play into voting. So do, you know what I mean, like. Well, but that's what it's saying is that your vote doesn't really matter that's in the what, end. Exactly. It doesn't that's, matter. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much. Yeah. And of course, you know, that, that can also be communism. We, we spoke mm-hmm. last time about right. a lot of these things were free, right? So communists, you, you know, here's here's anything that you need to use yeah. it's for free, but know ultimately who who you're right mm-hmm. is, is controlling you. Um, which speaks to the point that, OK, we, we supposedly can elect whoever we want. But at the end of the day, we're all lifers. Yep. But but that's interesting because n- number two says that if if Nadia comp- complied, he'd let her go. Like number two made it seem like there is a way out of. But where do they go? You know, they, the, that's the whole the thing ground. that you don't need to put them to sleep and wake up back in their yeah. own bed. I don't know. And then what? They're brainwashed and they have amnesia and they have no idea where they've ever been. Maybe I don't know. Mm. Is that better than death or suicide? I mean, I would have to say that for some people, being there is almost like death. Yeah. For number certainly. six, it certainly is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, just a lot of, uh, lot of stuff going on in there. Um, yeah. And by the way, you know, this, this is so speaking of the art theory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and being, it, it is what it is. Uh, McGowan always found it hilarious that, in many ways, we are doing exactly that. We are literally overanalyzing the. S H I T out of this TV series. Yeah. What if it was? It just is what it is. Yeah. It, I mean, it could be it is what it is, but there are too many similarities as into what has happened. I mean, especially now, forty-five years later, like there's so many similarities and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I don't know. I don't feel like we're but, overanalyzing it. Well, but but at the same time, he t- he even said, McGowan said, he's like, I don't want to classify this as a sci-fi show because sci-fi at the at the time was like 2001 and very right. esoteric stories in which people use lofty ideas, um, you know, in a in a futuristic landscape. And I think I think there is a little bit of his own defiance to 
the idea that, you know, you should just look at something for what it is. So I'm going to make something that is so out there, so beyond, like, you know, people are going to think so hard, and I'm just going to present them in my simple idea, like, this is what it is. But he never really, he never really goes out and states what he wants, though. I don't know that I buy that. I mean, I mean, yes, maybe Mm -hmm. that's, you know, what it is, but it's just, I feel like he's, like, he's a smart guy. Like, he's got to know. Like, this is a very different show from, like, some bubblegum show that they could have had on TV. You know what I mean? Like, there's Mm -hmm. a a way that things, like, a lot of shows, maybe something from episode two doesn't follow to episode 15. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, in here, I feel like things are kind of going to keep adding up. Well, and especially for television at the time, there wasn't really anything like this. Yeah, like, there's a lot of... There still isn't. Right, so I feel like, you know, I mean, maybe he was just smart in the sense that where he... The show is just smart, so mm-hmm. other like-minded, smart people want to think about it. And a lot of shows these these days and those days don't require thought. It's just to be entertained and taken out of your own life. But I definitely feel like... But then is that a matter of uh, the idea of, you know, number two says to him, you have a lot of self-importance that almost leads mm-hmm. to egoism. So, you know, are we better by sw- just by watching this yeah. show and thinking that we understand it? Are we putting a value to ourselves if we're better than somebody else? No, I don't think we're putting a value to ourselves. I think we're just saying that this is something that interests us. So we're going to talk about it. I mean, I could be, you know what I mean? Like some of the things, Snow White, really, that can be so <laughs> off. You know what I mean? And someone could watch it and, and think something totally different. But the show... It evokes people. It, it makes people want to have a conversation about it, where some other shows don't. I just love the idea that at the end of the day, McGowan could have been the biggest troll. <laughs> like he could have just been setting us all up. Like be like, here, I'm gonna give you something really weird. Have fun, enjoy. I'm gonna go die now. <laughs> but that in been. itself is brilliant. I know that that if that was that's if like that's more his game that makes me. I'm like, all right, yeah, that's like good, good almost, on you, sir. Yeah, you know, um, there's a there's a it, it's funny in that way because um, if the point of entertainment is to entertain, mm-hmm. Dave Foster Wallace wrote a book about uh, – it's called Infinite Jest about this very same thing. So wouldn't the perfect thing be something that you just want to watch over and over to the point that you you didn't want to eat, sleep, drink, piss, shit, whatever, <laughs> right? I love yeah. that you spelled it out I know, earlier, and now, now you just, you're like, well, no, I just had to make a point. Yeah. <laughs> Just have to make it, yeah. Just have to make no, it. it's it's true. Yeah, but I think with this show too, I um, my, my father lived in England for sixteen years, so I was actually talking to him about the show. I feel mm-hmm. like this show, like people that have watched this show, have an opinion about it, they have thoughts about it, and it's resonated somewhere with them. Like people could ask me if I've watched the show twenty years ago, and I could be like, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, uh, Smurfs are great, but know? I wouldn't be like, I am not a number, I am a person. Mm. Like I wouldn't start quoting the show, and it's like, r- like all kinds of random people. Yeah, I, I don't think do. I don't even. I do wonder if the people involved in the show at the time realized the impact it was going to have, not just later, but at the time, because you know this. The sixties were an interesting time in terms of you know post post World War Two pre you know you you do have that Iron Curtain but it it the, it wasn't quite where it was like in ten years from then and but there was just this almost people at the time were getting comfortable they were just getting really comfortable in their lives they'd start to forget about the war you know we had more comforts you know people were kind of going out and, and, and starting to enjoy life and and this show when it came out really 
made people start to question like where they stood in their own country with their own government. And it was a, I mean, I I I put the prisoner at, with any of the the novels from that time period. You know, 1984, Fahrenheit 451. The prisoner to me is is a social commentary. Yeah, but you asked the point. Did they know? Mm-hmm. I I yeah. think. George Markstein had an idea of kind of what he wanted the thing to be, and, mm-hmm. and Pat McGowan kind of knew what he wanted it to be. Outside of perhaps those two people, and, you know, yeah. again, we can argue George Markstein one way or the other, I don't think anybody knew. Yeah. I don't think you can know. It's like almost like nowadays. I think, but Pat, I think Patrick McGowan did, much like, but let's he, say the Wachowskis knew it. what they wanted to do with the Matrix. Yeah. Right. But no one else was like, we know we're making something cool. We'll just go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what the hell we're making, we have no idea until we see it. But I feel like there's not a real formula for that. You know what I mean? It's almost like no. nowadays how people, like, things go viral, so mm-hmm. to speak. And people are like, oh, I want to make a viral video. Like, there's no business formula to make a viral video. It just but either catches on or not. Like, there are a lot of shows that people... I mean, you think about shows nowadays, like, 24. But I don't, like, I that's don't, got a cult following. I don't, I don't, I don't want to discredit... Here's the thing, right? Yes, viral... Viral's something, though, that just happens, right? Mm-hmm, right. Whereas this... This is man, as you said. He's he's thought a lot of these thoughts, you know? He's he's kind of... This is a reflection of his time on Danger Man, his life, what he was he was reacting to the world as it is. So I don't want to discredit it. It's not like it just happened because he got lucky. It's These are things that he was thinking about. And I, yes, there are artists in the world that they have the ability to, you know, and he, this isn't just the only thing that he's ever created. Mm-hmm. He's created things before and after that were successful. So, and, you know, this, this saying, is the one that sticks a yeah. lot. But at yeah. the same time, mm-hmm. to have that longevity, yeah. it's I'm not, not a viral video. I'm not saying he got video. lucky. I'm not saying he got lucky or that it's it's like that. What I'm saying is there's not a formula out there to make a television show and it guarantees a certain following or respect or thought about it or provokes a talk about it. Yeah, That's I, what I'm saying. There's no – yeah, or else everyone would do it with their shows. You just have to master your craft. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't think he was So whatever to... he did, he did it so well yeah. that that happened. It's such yeah. the sense with like a viral video. Someone does something so well that they get a following, but someone else can't just replicate that by following certain steps. Like you just have to be that good and then the following will come. It's kind of what I'm yeah. To say. I don't think he thought. He, I don't think he he set out to make a successful show. I think he set out to make a show that he wanted to make, and that's why things that become successful are from that passion. Ex- I agree with you 100. Yeah, it's not like he was like, "Let me make yeah. this show that 45 years later they're going to be talking about it after Buzz TV." Well, again, yeah, but, <laughs> but here's the thing: you never have, you can't yeah. ever have the goal in mind, mm-hmm. right? You know, same with After Buzz TV. There was show. Okay, just do good shows, build it up. You know, people want to do it with us, okay, and then uh, all of a sudden there was an audience for it. And it's like, okay, well, what we responded to the audience. But, there, you know, people ask, what's the five-year plan? Hmm. I don't know. What's the Talk five about minute- TV shows. Yeah, what's the five-minute plan? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. And, and But you just kind of go with that. Mm-hmm. So, um, interesting. interestingly enough, um, in this episode, we also kind of had slight different rules, you know, in terms of the village. There's now curfew in place. Right. So it mm-hmm. seems a lot more... Um, there's more rules in place, and we also learned that there's, you can't have any weapons. No. All right, I'll build my own. Right, but that's against the rules too. But Surely you can turn a blind yeah. eye. Yeah, right. And they did. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they knew he was going to get caught. They knew the whole time. So uh, we have uh, we have a couple of minutes left. 
um, because Meredith has to go off and do uh, the Marvel movie news show on the Popcorn Talk Network. I have to go all quite way across the courtyard <laughs> to all our the- other studios. She has to she has to dive into a yeah. whole different world, so you should definitely uh, mm-hmm. check that out with her. Um, but I want to make sure that if there's anything that you guys want to specifically talk about that we haven't hit, I want to make sure that we we hit it. I, you know, I'm I'm just I'm really happy we touched on the whole global village concept, uh, and I, I I really think again just going back to overall with this episode that it it re- just reinforces the fact that number six is a prisoner. In mm-hmm. his own, and, and, and sometimes to an extent it's through his own doing because I, again, I go back to, I think for, I think he did believe he had his way out and I think he let his hopes get above him where as a, a good spy you should never get too hopeful. And I think in this episode he kind of made himself a prisoner. God. The only other thing that stood out to me that uh, I want to talk about for a minute here is that clearly there's a journal of each number's progress. Is that what, mm-hmm. what we're learning? Okay. And, uh, you know, number two, I mean, number eight says to number two that I'm going to give a good report of all this, you know, don't worry type thing. So, I don't know, is she more in charge than number two? That's, we don't know. Whose side are we on? Um, And there's, you know, uh, there's an alternate version of Chimes of Big Ben um, that has more extended scenes. It's slightly different. It's on the DVDs. It's not as complete. the, 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 The one that you would watch is the complete version. The mm-hmm. alternate version is even more rough. It's probably not even color corrected, actually. Is that the one that I watched? No. Oh, I gave okay. you the good one. Don't okay. worry. That's, see what I'm saying? But if yeah. you thought, if you had a question yeah. of that, imagine what the other one would be. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this was one of the original seven intended episodes. Um, you know, obviously the ten other ones were done kind of later if we didn't talk about that. And they were just, the other ten were outlined in a matter of two days over the weekend. It's how crazy it is. So we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll start to compare some differences. Um, I, just a couple of fun trivia things that we didn't quite get to talk about last time. Uh, the sound effects of the thunder is now in every sound effects person's uh, library called Prisoner. Really? Really? In the, isn't oh. it called the Foley or what's it called? Well, that's the, how they make Foleying is the process of making noise. Yeah. But the, the like, say it's like the prisoner dot, you know, AVI or whatever yeah. MP4. Oh, like, like can, anyone like, can. Like Stephen, yeah. play 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 our can cl- uh, audience clapping. Right there we go. Maybe. Maybe. Just kidding. There we go. Right. So it'd be like that. Yeah. Like if you need canned thunder, you have it. Oh, and we just, need it to open our episodes from now on. How? Why is that not happening here? At the well, studio, we've been switching so. it up. Yeah, we're right. trying to be individual. I'm just trying to. I like some thunder. All right. And speaking of, um, you know, CBS, when they bought it, they didn't get it either. Um, so they, they uh, Lou Grade, who we talked about last time, invited them to set, and they didn't get they didn't still get it. And so he's like, oh, how, number one, how do you deal with Magoo? And number two, what the hell is this? He's like, I just let him do what he wants. <laughs> That's, That's funny. it. Um, all right. So. Um, what are we watching next? A, B, and C, which used to be called 1, 2, and 3, and a whole slew of other names, but um, that's what we'll do next time, A, B, and C. So uh, go ahead, rewatch that episode. That's what we'll be talking about. Don't forget to rate. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, However, we've made it pretty easy. You can watch us on YouTube.com slash AfterBuzzTV. You can listen to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, all for free 99. Yes, I like free 99. 
All right. And uh, also, you know, whether uh, one of the great things is, you know, if you want to participate along as we do this each week, that's great. If for some reason you find us one year, two years, three years, four years, five years down the line, you know what? It's still great to participate because I'm sure Steph Z is still going to be checking her Twitter then, which is? <laughs> uh, it is at I-A-M-S-T-E-F-Z. Yes. Tweet me. And that's Instagram too? Yes, that's my Instagram too. And you can check out my website, IamStephZ.com. Woo! You can find me at M-P-L-A-C-K-O on Twitter and Instagram and MeredithPlaco.com. And, of course, AfterBuzz TV, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Once again, thank you guys uh, from 6 of 1 Appreciation Society. April 17th is the uh, is the meetup. Check out their website. Uh, get some more info on that. And we'll see you. Well, we'll be seeing you. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.